millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to the Living History UK podcast, a podcast for the discerning and knowledge-hungry historians out there. You can support our podcast and get much more from Living History UK by joining our Patreon from just £1. And by doing so, you'll be a part of an ever-growing community and really help to make a difference as we strive to keep history alive. But for now, enjoy this podcast. Almost 400 years ago, the future of this country and monarchy was at stake in these very fields. The battle here pitched neighbour against neighbour, brother against brother, father against son. Welcome to episode three in our Battlefields of Britain series. This is the Battle of Cropperty Bridge. The English Civil War began in early 1642 and saw towns, cities and villages declaring for either the King or Parliament. The country was split largely down the middle, with London, Norfolk, the South West and North West declaring for Parliament. The West Country, Wales and North East all declaring for the King. The Royalist cause centred around the divine right of kingship, the belief that the King was God's chosen representative. Parliament believed that an elected body should be chosen by the people and able to raise fair taxes on its people. Disagreements about economics, politics and religion only helped add fuel to the fire. The situation came to a head in January 1642 when King Charles entered Parliament seeking the arrest of five members, John Hampden, Arthur Hazelrig, John Pym, Denzel Holles and William Strode. Charles sat in the Speaker's chair and remarked famously that all my birds have flown. It is for this reason that the monarch is no longer permitted to enter the House of Commons. 
One of the first skirmishes of the war took place at Powick Bridge in Worcestershire in September 1642, and the first full-scale pitched battle only two months later at Edgehill. The result of the battle at Edgehill was inconclusive, but it did, however, mean that the King's advance to London had been checked. As the campaigning season of 1644 began, Parliament achieved small victories at both Nantwich and Cheriton. 1643 had been a good year for the Royalists, but Charles had now lost the initiative. Oxford had served the Royalists well as a headquarters, but it was still perilously close to London and under constant threat. Prince Rupert, the king's nephew, argued the case of utilising Bristol as a new HQ. Charles dismissed this notion, but did acknowledge the vulnerability of Oxford, and therefore decided to march his army from Oxford to Worcester. Sir William Waller and the Earl of Essex combined their Parliament forces and gave chase to Charles. However, Charles eluded both Essex and Waller and returned to Buckingham via Oxford. Essex then made the decision to divide his and Waller's forces, with Essex riding to the West Country to relieve Lyme Regis, leaving Waller, now hugely outnumbered, to hunt down the King's Field Army. A game of cat and mouse now played out across the Midlands, which came to a head on the 29th of June 1644 at Cropredy Bridge. The preceding night, Charles chairs a Royalist Council of War just northeast of Banbury at Grimsbury Fields. At that Council of War, the Royalists decide that they're going to march their army along what is now the A361 north towards Daventry. The Royalist force numbers roughly 9,000 men. It comprises of 5,000 infantry, 4,000 cavalry, and boasts 20 artillery pieces. The vanguard is commanded by the Earl of Forth, centre by the King and the rear by Colonel Thalwell, with the Earl of Cleveland and Earl of Northampton commanding two cavalry brigades. The Parliamentarian forces were commanded by Sir William Waller, and numbered roughly the same as the Royalists. At Waller's disposal were 5,000 infantry, 4,000 cavalry, and at least 11 pieces of artillery. Waller marched his army along the western bank of the Cherwell, shadowing Charles's army, waiting for the right time to strike. Charles's force, which is by now strung out across the countryside in its line of march, soon receives word of the impending threat from Parliament forces on the eastern bank. Charles, who is at the head of his army, has by now reached this point, Hayes Bridge. King Charles I ordered a detachment of dragoons to get themselves down to Cropperty Bridge to defend it, so the army could pass by safely. It was at this time he received intelligence that 300 Parliamentarian cavalry were on their way in support of Waller. With this intelligence, the King ordered for the army to speed up, but unfortunately, the order didn't get to the rear of the column, creating a gap between the centre and the rear of the column. Waller, who is stationed on the west bank of the Cherwell, just behind me here, orders a small force under the command of Colonel John Middleton across the bridge, comprising of 1,500 cavalry, 1,000 infantry and 11 guns. The guns were commanded by Mr Wemmis. The force under Middleton crosses Cropperty Bridge, in turn driving in the Royalist Dragoons that had been sent to seize the bridge. The Parliamentarian force fans out and heads north. Wemmis sets his artillery up in the field just here. The force 
Under Middleton drives north up towards Hayes Bridge. The decision by Waller to send a sizeable force across the bridge proves to be a good one. And with the Royalist Dragoons in flight, the Parliamentarians under Middleton swing north, threatening the King. As the tide of the battle begins to turn, Waller seeks to capitalise on this advance and orders another bridge crossing, this time down here in the south. Waller believed the Earl of Northampton's men to be considerably further away in the distance, but in fact they were closer at hand than what he expected. What then ensued after Waller's men forded the river was a bloody skirmish that happened a few yards from where me and this small herd of ginger cows stand. By the time the Parliamentarian cavalry had arrived here at Hayes Bridge, the majority of the Royalist forces had made it to the north bank. However, the stragglers had overturned a wagon and they were now holding it with musketeers, giving fire to the Parliamentarian cavalry. Not having any musketeers themselves, the Parliamentarian cavalry had to retire. Waller had committed huge numbers of men across the Cherwell and by 1pm were locked in fighting with the Royalists. Following the initial exchange of musket shots, brutal hand-to-hand -hand fighting ensues. In the north at Hayes Bridge, Middleton is unable to force a crossing. In the south, Waller, along with a thousand men, is unable to establish a foothold. In the centre, meanwhile, at Cropredy Bridge, Wemyss has 11 artillery pieces dangerously undefended and vulnerable to royalist attack. The Earl of Cleveland, who's commanding the Royalist Rear Division, has 500 cavalry under his command. Gaining word of what was happening at Cropredy Bridge, he swings his cavalry into action and forms them up on the rising ground just behind me. He soon realises the body of Parliamentarian horse is assembling at his rear. He turns his cavalry about and charges headlong into the Parliamentarian horse, driving them from the field and capturing a cornet in the process. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. After Waller moves his troops onto the east bank of the ford, the Earl of Northampton springs his trap and his cavalry charge head-on into Waller's waiting men. This causes catastrophic damage to Waller's troops and they have to fall back across the ford. Hearing the commotion of the rearguard, the centre column halted and formed up on this ridge behind me and informed the king to what was going on on the southern bank of the river. 
I'm being informed of this. The King sent in his lifeguard of horse back over Hayes Bridge to engage the Parliamentarian cavalry. As we reached the middle point of the battle, it would be safe to say that many of the soldiers would have been thankful of the refreshing reprieve of a drop of Nidhogger Mead. Nidhogger Mead is a delicious, full-flavoured, high-strength mead. It's refreshing, delicately sweet and wonderfully smooth. Nidhogger Mead has been made with you in mind, everything from the high alcohol content to the sublime, balanced flavours. We are mead drinkers ourselves and heartily recommend Ned Hogger's wonderful mead to our viewers. Visit www.nidhoggermead.co.uk to order your slice of mead heaven now. Meanwhile, at Cropperty Bridge itself, the Royalists are beginning to push the parliamentarians back. Each side exchange musket shot. Middleton is forced back across the bridge and Cleveland advances. The 11 pieces of artillery under Wemyss are captured by the Royalists. Royalist colonels Sir William Batella and Sir William Clark are both killed and 14 other Royalist soldiers are also killed. Two small barricades on wheels, which each carried seven small pieces of brass and leather guns, are captured by the Royalists during the advance. The Royalists captured two parliamentarian lieutenant colonels as well as five captains and a cornet. Waller himself was not having a great day at all. He even went so far as to say the following in his diary. At Cropperdy in Oxfordshire, I escaped a great danger, where being with my officers at Council of War, the floor of the room where we were stood, uh, we all fell into the cellar that was underneath it. I lay overwhelmed with a great deal of lumber that fell upon me, and yet, I bless God, I had no hurt at all. After Waller's personal whoopsie of falling through the floor on which he stood, at Cropperty Bridge during the day's fighting, he suffered momentously. Firstly, his bridgehead up Cropperty Bridge had been forced back by the King's men and the Earl of Northampton's men had pushed him back from the bridgehead that he made at Slat Mill Ford. After all of this, he withdrew up a lane such as this, back towards the high ground over at Great Bolton, where he would regroup and reassess the tactical situation which he found himself in. With Waller taking his army to the high ground near Great Borton, the King brought his army here to Williamscott to consolidate his forces and to potentially drive the parliamentarians from the field of battle. The tide of the battle has turned. The Royalists have gained the upper hand and Waller realises that he is now on the defensive. Drawing his troops back to the sanctuary of Great Borton Hill, he sees Charles concentrating his force in the fields on the eastern bank of the Cherwell, near William Scott. Charles now musters and rallies his men for a final throw of the dice to take the bridges, attempting to drive Waller into headlong retreat. Approximately 3pm, the Royalists attempt to gain the river crossings at Slapmore Ford and here at Cropperty Bridge. This is where they're met by a barrage of musket fire from dragoons and infantry on the western bank who all along are being reinforced by Waller. With stalemate setting in at Cropperty Bridge, in the south at Slapmill Ford, the Royalists begin to make headway and force a crossing to the western bank. Elements of the Earl of Northampton's brigade take the mill and harass the parliamentarians till nightfall. Waller, desperate, seeks a parley with Charles, who refuses.
Come nightfall, the parliamentarians held the west bank of the Cherwell and the royalists the right bank. Parliamentarian losses stood at 700 men and had also lost 11 pieces of artillery. The royalists had lost approximately 200 men. As night fell, both armies sat opposing each other. At around 11pm, an accidental discharge led to a very minor skirmish, but apart from that, no further action took place. Waller's men were now starting to desert en masse, meaning that his forces were now significantly depleted and hampered. Charles could now move towards the West Country, where he would engage with the Earl of Essex at the Battle of Loswithiel, where Essex would be defeated, leading to his eventual surrender. Whilst filming outside the church, a verger made herself known to us and invited us inside to inspect the lectern. It is said that the lectern, which is a magnificent cast eagle, was tossed into the Cherwell before the battle to stop the Puritans from stealing it. It was discovered at some point after the battle and was repaired shortly after the restoration and a replacement foot was cast owing to the fact that one was missing when it was rediscovered. As dusk began to fall, both sides settled into their respective defensive locations. Waller's force on the western bank of the Cherwell and the Royalists on the eastern bank. Both forces would remain facing off against each other until nightfall on the following day, when Charles's army marched off triumphantly. The road was now open for Charles to pursue Essex's army into the West Country, winning a victory at Loswithiel and forcing Essex to surrender. Later that year, Parliament passed legislation to create the New Model Army, the first professional full-time standing army in the UK. The success of this army would enable Parliament to secure the decisive victory at Naseby in June the following year. And so draws to a close our retelling of the Battle of Cropperty Bridge. If you've enjoyed watching this episode, please consider joining our members club or sending us a PayPal donation. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. But until next time, keep history alive! Through Cropperty in Oxfordshire, the Cherwell takes its course. The willows weep into its waters clear. My name it is Will Thames, it's here that I was born. Raised in faith my king and God to fear. In 1644 the king in Oxford town did dwell, Though he'd heard that Cromwell's army was nearby. It did not occur to me that little Crapperty Could be witness to the meeting of both sides. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, then why not send us a PayPal donation? All donations help us pay to host the podcast and for us to create new content for your enjoyment. Furthermore, if you would like to submit a question or even a subject matter for the podcast, join Patreon and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The links are in our bio. Until next time, keep history alive.